Hi, this is Emery Hayes. Thank you for joining me in my town. I wondered what I would talk about this week, three weeks into captivity, as my children would say. It's been overwhelming in many ways, as I'm sure many have felt across this vast planet we call home. But it turns out I have plenty to say. It might sound like a list of gratitude, but I think it's important to share that in a world striving to overcome. I've lived in my home here in my town 16 years, but there are some services I never needed until two weeks ago, 911 and first responders. We had an emergency at my house. My mom fell backwards and hit her head on the middle door. It was bad. I've handled a lot of medical emergencies, but this made me weak in the knees. She literally tore a large piece of her scalp off so that it was dangling above her ear. It took 19 staples to put her back together again. I am grateful to the 911 operator who was steadfast as I held my mom's head together and tried to speak at the same time. To the firefighters and paramedics who arrived in three minutes, thankful for their calm and kindness, their reassurances as I explained, I have a child with heart disease. Please make sure my mom is masked when she enters the ER because she will have to come home after possible exposure to a virus that has all of us by the tail. I am thankful for the thorough care my mom received in the midst of a pandemic. Thank you to awesome neighbors who reached out, who prove above all else that we are human. We worry, we fear, and we push past it to the very essence of who we are to express our care for others. I live in a pretty awesome place, and I think many of us are realizing the same thing right about now. Now let's talk groceries. We all need them. There's no living without food and no getting it without risking it all to enter the grocery store. It stresses me. I try a lot of new things to make our food stretch two weeks between visits, but there are workers who don't get to do this, and I am grateful they show up every day to stock shelves and ring up our purchases, that they do it with kindness, smiling and small talk, running parallel to whatever inner thoughts plague us. Thank you for being there. Thank you to the elderly woman in Walmart who reached into the case for the last carton of eggs and then offered them to me. I assured her I was waiting to get to the Gogurts and it took some convincing, but during our conversation, she said to me, we have to look out for each other. And I agreed. I went further. Today and every day, I said, it should be an always thing that many, myself included, lost sight of from time to time in the normal hustle of our lives. We live collectively on this planet, but in our individual spheres in which we seem to be gyrating and at times spinning half off our axes in a kind of frenetic chaos. And I am hoping never to forget it the sentiment she shared, and her gracious, generous offer. There are others to think, but I am out of time, and maybe if I give them room to breathe, they will show up in a story. This week's free writing sessions did not happen. I'm cutting myself a little slack on this. I had final pass copy editing, editing to attend to on Cold to the Bone, and it turned out there was much to correct. For authors, this is the last opportunity to catch a misplaced comma, a gaffe in timing, and other such annoying errors that would leach quality from the finished product. It's tedious work, and I'm always happy when the job is done, and I hope, done well. I also have to add dimension to a character's relationship with his ex-wife in the novel, The Book of Isaac. It was a missed opportunity caught by the astute eye of a wickedly successful editor, one who I'm hoping will be won over by my revision. So, lots of writing this week, just no free writing. And getting to that, in March of last year, we had a mass migration of painted ladies up from Mexico. I left work at about 2 p.m. that day and noticed hundreds of them fluttering in the air around me. It was fascinating. 
When I got home, there were even more, a light on flowers, tumbling through the air, creating quite a spectacle. Neighbors had come out of their houses to watch them. Kids up and down the street were laughing and dancing among the butterflies. The freeway I'm going to share today is based on this experience. From Painted Ladies. Esther watched from the kitchen window. They'd had bees once, who had flown in and made their home inside a cinder block that had settled loosely into the retaining wall, one corner open and inviting. They had drawn a straight line over the grass and were all business. These, though, frolicked. They pitched themselves into the air and turned their skirts like the flamenco dancers. The painted ladies, she said, they're here, all the way up from Mexico. The rains had been unseasonably heavy and the cracked lips of the parched earth had opened and sipped wildly at the gift. The flowers bloomed. They were hardy with deep roots and leaves did not brown and curl at the edges. She heard the rustling of the newspaper because he insisted he have it in his hands when he read it. Technology frustrated Robert. Scrolling and Skyping were the weapons of war. He stood and she heard also the cracking of the cartilage in his knees. Robert Franco had played 17 innings for the Los Angeles Dodgers and spent 13 years on their farm team, grazing in the pens, chewing the soft oats of dreams. His burled wrists were proof enough of that, and he didn't often add to the chatter with remembrances. He stood behind her now, and his hand fell to her hip, his palm cupping the dip of her waist. 20 years ago, when he had a fresh sweat from Major League play, the way he handled her so naturally had inspired in her dreams of romance, a claim staked by a handsome and loyal prince. They said millions, he said. Not all at once, Esther said. They said swarm, that means altogether. Millions, Esther returned, altogether? They need space to catch the drafts, to dance upon the desert sage and around the fire poker, she thought. But they did come one after another, sometimes three or five or more abreast, a hundred at a time in their backyard. The news said it could take three days for them to pass through, there were so many. Robert had purchased a video camera to film their arrival and a few other trinkets to capture their attention. Newly planted pansies and starlets, a bronze pinwheel that spun now on its anchor because the wind was coming in off the Pacific strong and cool. He'd always had time for the ladies. You have a lot of work ahead of you, she said. The camera will do it, he said. But you want to be in the thick of it. Something I always liked, he agreed. But with the swelling of his joints had come a waning of his interest. He didn't move fast enough, and often the fluttering hands slipped between his fingers. You'll watch from here and leave it up to the cameras, he agreed. Live is always better, more exciting. And video was for obsession, she thought, for pausing and pondering, for regrets. Yes, I like it better this way. As they watched, the air thickened with a tumbling kaleidoscope of orange and black and brown. And beneath the frenzy, the neighbor's cat stopped in the grass and tipped its nose toward the fuss, and his ears flattened against his skull. Toby, damn cat, Robert groused, and the cat reared back on its hind legs and lifted his sleek body, his forward paws batting at the air. He's no match for them, Esther soothed. He's got away, Robert insisted. Toby had chewed the lacy edges of amaryllis and peed on the ferns. He'd pulled wood chips from the garden and batted them around the patio. The cat was clever in ways Esther had never thought of. He'll catch one, watch, Robert sounded the gong. You watch, Esther said. I'm going to watch the painted ladies. It's been a long time and she didn't want to miss them. The last one you could pick out of the sky happened in 2005. I don't remember that, she said. It was the year I played. A 98 miles per hour lob, she said, clocked that year in a game against the St. Louis Cardinals. 
They had been married two years. I remember. You remember the important things, he said. The ladies were important, Esther said, just not as important. They won't be back again, he said. Not for another 20 years, she agreed. The rains had provided a feast of marigold and aster and thistle. They only live for six weeks, he said. They breed and birth along the way. Totally natural. I wouldn't want to birth on the road, and she hadn't. That year, Robert had been called up from the miners several times, pitched an inning or two each, and Esther had watched from the TV in their living room. You're not a butterfly, Robert said. In the backyard, Toby hunkered in the grass, his nose pointed up, his paws kneading the earth. No kidding. I wasn't making a judgment, he said. Beyond the patio and the barbecue, a lady lit upon the edge of the birdbath. The breeze rippled the surface of the water, and she tipped as though to sip. Of course you were, Esther said, but it's something I've always known, that you're not as resilient as a painted lady, nor as beautiful. I picked you out of a flock of ladies, he said. You could have had your pick, she agreed, and sometimes she stared at her palms and followed the lifeline of another story, where the break came earlier, but after a tremendous crescendo that could only be love. You could have said no, but I wanted to say yes. So that's the end of it, which should have been a beginning. Damn, he's up to no good. Esther fluttered her lashes and refocused on the present. Toby's hind legs had risen and his tail tucked between them. He was getting ready to leap. And overhead, the painted ladies flit and dashed and swooped. It was impossible to predict their movements. Here, a hunter had to be lucky and rely on neither speed nor skill. They are pretty, she said. Cats are colorblind. I guess you have to give up something to see in the dark. Robert turned away from the window and where his hand had been on her hip quickly filled with the coolness of a compress. His touch no longer burned, but carried a steady, companionable heat. Where's the broom? You're not going to chase him, she asked. That didn't go so well last time. Robert had tripped over a sprinkler head, and Toby had sat atop the retaining wall, blinking at the cartwheeling human. He pulled the broom from the closet and strode across the kitchen. His face was oldest in profile, the skin beneath his chin sagging and rolling down his neck. His nose hooked. Esther turned back to the window. Toby's nose twitched. The ladies lunged. End of free write. Yes, I do write about relationships. The trouble found within the secret folds of lives that seem to otherwise pass unremarkably from this world. It's the stuff that makes a story interesting, in some cases riveting. It turns the pages, brings readers back for more. Conflict. In Painted Ladies, it's subtle but rising to the surface. And though I'm not a short story writer, every time I come back to this free write, I think I should write a little more, flesh out this story. It doesn't have the feel of a novel. The characters don't have that kind of steam. But 5,000 words, 7,500 even, I can see it. So, what did you write about today? And where is it going? Do you have characters you left behind months or even years ago who drift through your mind at odd moments? If so, I think they're worth another look. Thanks for spending a little time with me today. And above all, keep writing.